This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Prevention of Ventilator-Associated Pneumonia by Deb Morrow Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Hi, I'm Deb Morrow, a Staff Nurse 3 and the Infection Prevention Coordinator for the Cardiovascular Intensive Care Unit at Children's Hospital Boston. Today I'd like to talk to you about strategies that we use at Children's Hospital Boston to prevent the development of ventilator-associated pneumonia. Epidemiology Ventilator-associated pneumonia is the most common healthcare-associated infection. However, surveillance definitions are complex, so the actual rate is probably higher. These infections are a significant source of cost, morbidity, and mortality. Adults with ventilator-associated pneumonia have a 40% mortality rate, and patients of all ages spend an average of six extra days in the intensive care unit for the management of pneumonia. Ventilator-associated pneumonia is preventable. Pathogenesis. In a healthy person, the lower airway is a sterile body site, and the endotracheal tube provides access to the lower airway. Colonized secretions from the subglottic area, which leak into the lower airway around the endotracheal tube, is the primary mechanism of infection. Other sources of contamination include aspiration of fluids from the stomach, particularly when a nasogastric tube is in place, contaminated respiratory equipment, such as ventilator parts, water, or bronchoscopes, inhalation of contaminated medications, the contaminated hands of healthcare workers who don't clean their hands before manipulating the endotracheal tube during intubation or suctioning, seeding from a remote site of infection, or biofilm buildup on the endotracheal tube. Let's talk about biofilm for a moment. Biofilm is a thin mucus film that develops on the inside and outside of every catheter inserted into the body. Bacteria colonize the surfaces of these catheters and secrete a mucus film which can protect the bacteria from antibiotics. Bacterial multiplication takes place under the biofilm. The best prevention is to remove endotracheal tubes as soon as possible. Categories of ventilator-associated pneumonia. There are two categories of ventilator-associated pneumonia. And in general, bacteria are the most frequently isolated pathogens. Early onset pneumonia 
is usually caused by antibiotic-susceptible organisms, and it occurs within the first four days of intubation. Late onset occurs after four days of intubation, and it is usually caused by antibiotic-resistant bacteria, and it has the highest rate of mortality. Patients who are immunocompromised are more likely to have viral or fungal pneumonia than patients with intact immune systems. Other risk factors for the development of ventilator-associated pneumonia are prolonged ventilation and repeated intubations, supine position, immobilization, surgical procedures of the head, neck, thorax, or upper abdomen, and underlying chronic lung disease. Prevention Bundle At Children's Hospital Boston, we have developed a bundle to prevent ventilator-associated pneumonia, which includes hand hygiene, which is the cornerstone of every infection prevention initiative, elevating the head of the bed 30 to 40 degrees, oral hygiene, promoting enteral feeds, deep venous thrombosis prophylaxis in adults, a daily sedation break, and a daily assessment of need for the endotracheal tube. Elevating the head of the bed 30 to 40 degrees will prevent secretions from collecting in the subglottic area and will prevent aspiration of fluids from the stomach. Use of a cuffed endotracheal tube will also prevent colonized secretions from entering the lungs. The posterior pharynx should be suctioned on a regular basis and before changing a patient's position to remove secretions. Oral hygiene is very important. During severe illness, the predominantly gram-positive bacteria in the mouth switch to predominantly gram-negative bacteria. Gram-negative bacteria thrive in plaque, which can build up on teeth in as little as three days. The process of chewing facilitates the production of saliva, which is a natural antibacterial. However, many patients in the intensive care units are unable to eat. Saliva production can also be decreased by the use of oxygen therapy, antihypertensives, anticholinergics such as atropine sulfate, sympathiomimetics such as dopamine, antihistamines, and diuretics. Oral hygiene keeps mucosa and lips clean, soft, moist and intact, and removes debris and plaque without damaging the mucosa. At Children's Hospital Boston, we brush teeth and gums with a toothbrush, toothpaste, and sterile water every four to 12 hours. If a patient does not have teeth, we will use a gauze with sterile water and rub all surfaces of the gums, tongue, and mouth every 12 hours. The subglottic area should be suctioned before position change and every four hours 
to prevent the buildup of secretions in the posterior pharynx. Initiate enteral feeding as soon as possible. Enteral feeding maintains normal gut flora and prevents an overgrowth of gram-negative bacteria, which can put the patient at risk from, for pneumonia from aspiration. The development of deep venous thrombosis can occur not only in adults, but also in critically ill pediatric patients. Patients with deep venous thrombosis may get a pulmonary embolism, which could cause pneumonia due to tissue damage. It is important that strategies to prevent the occurrence of deep venous thrombosis be implemented in all critically ill pediatric patients. We identify a respiratory plan at patient rounds using a daily goal sheet. When patients are stable, sedation medications are decreased and paralytic medications are halted to assess the patient's stability and respiratory status if a patient is able to maintain adequate ventilation and vital signs, sedation will be decreased or stopped. It is important that the bedside nurse be part of these discussions. Conclusion Evidence-based practices can reduce ventilator-associated pneumonia rates. You should implement bundles for the management of the intubated patient. Assess the need for the endotracheal tube every day. Observe practice for compliance with policy. Feedback infection rates to staff. Establish policies for the insertion and maintenance of endotracheal tubes. Educate doctors and nurses on ventilator-associated pneumonia prevention. And communication training will help staff to speak up when practice to prevent ventilator-associated pneumonia is not followed. That concludes our video on prevention of ventilator-associated pneumonia. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.